Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Toddgate, Lionesses, and we have part two of our interview with Martha Lawton from the podcast Squanderlust. Welcome one and all to The Kindness Project. Today, I am joined by two blokes who uh, seem to be faring fine under this summer heat um i can't speak from personal I, experience and i'm joined by a girl who seems to want to talk like a victorian lady um and a fella who is faring well under this summer heat fine sir are you gentlemen can that be dresses like a victorian lady <laughs> none of us dress like a victorian lady russ i mean i've got to be honest i'm i'm i've turned up to the podcast recording wearing my gym gear. Charlotte's returned up, uh, turned up just comfy for summer. How you? How have you been? Because I've been, as, as po- regular podcast listeners will know, we've been travelling, but you've had the, a massive heatwave in the UK. How have you been faring? Oh, unbearable. Unbearable? Absolutely unbearable. Are you not a big fan of the sun? I'm not. I'm with you there, Russ. So we had this big conversation while we were away that Charlotte's not a fan of the sun. Um, you're not a fan of the sun. I, I love the I should say, I don't mind warmth, but that was to the extreme. Yeah. So if you're not listening in the UK, uh, uh, podcast listeners, uh, during the month of July, the UK had its hottest day ever um and yeah it was it was it was was, i wasn't here but apparently it was really hot well was it ever was it in recorded history recorded history yeah Yeah. i mean i'm sure when the like earth was being formed it was probably a bit yeah it was probably a bit higher um but since we've started recording temperatures um that Day in July was the hottest ever recorded. Is- I see on the nose when when that was all happening that we're going up by one one degree yeah. every year. I think we're going up by more than that actually. I think they're trying to keep it down to a one degree increase every year, but actually it's going up by more than that. Um, so yeah, and it was hot while we were away. Yeah, it? it was. I was talking to Soph earlier, and we were like. Um, We'd rather be like it be cold and have loads of jumpers on that kind of warm than it yeah. be really sunny and that kind of warm because yeah, they're different. Yeah, and like that's what I prefer. Yeah, uh, she described it using colours. She said like that um, this kind of warm was like neon reds, <laughs> and that the uh, like putting jumpers on in winter kind of warm was like maroon. Oh, okay, okay. But at least with the jumper situation, you've got an option. Yeah. I mean, you you could you could get to a point where you've got so many jumpers and you look like the Michelin Man. <laughs> How many jumpers could you actually get on, Russ? Yeah. Four. Four. You reckon four jumpers is the Michelin tires level? It yeah. Depends on the fitness of the jumper, doesn't it? It does. Let's assume jumper, then coat, then if it gets oh. drastic, a blanket. Yeah. Let's assume that it's a medium tog jumper. The jumpers come in togs. I don't know if no. duvets do. Duvets. I don't know what tog is. Tog is the right. thickness of the duvet. Right. Tog is how warm a duvet is. So if you've got a higher tog, correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, that's the warmest duvet. That's right. No togs. And do, you know, do you know what a tog is, actually? No, go on. It's the thickness of the fibres in the duvet. Is it? Yeah. I, I, I know I know tog is a thing, because I, I love the idea of just having a higher or lower yeah, it's tog the actual duvet. Fit, it's the actual thickness of the fibres in the duvet. So Amazing. Up, up the tog. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, there's a uh, there's the re- the, there's a fat checker alert. Apparently, yeah. it's not the... Uh, oh, the, uh, did you just make that eyebrows and you were just going to no, start it out? I'm, I thought it was the thickness of the fibres. You thought or you 
independently checked and confirmed before you before just making up random facts. A tog is essentially a measure of how effectively a duvet insulates heat. The higher the tog rating, the warmer the duvet. One tog being very tall and lightweight, and fifteen being the warmest. No, no, hold on. That's not what you said. It's you said set of fibers inside. Two completely different things. Tog is a measurement of how warm it keeps you, not the thickness of the fibers. Otherwise, thinking about it, a fifteen togger would be fifteen times as thick. (laughs) No, that's not called a duvet. If it's that's called a mattress. So. Why are you chuck a couple of springs in there for fun? Russ is going on about a 15 togger. Ah, oh, Russ, I can't believe you just tried to blag that. And make I that like, up. I like, honestly, trying to blag about togs. <laughs> is, oh, it's, like I, to, it's like trying to blag about aglets, you know. Don't blag about toggate. Don't I'm gonna call this. Ow. This is like. As a, a, a scandal, Russ, that you tried to blag about togs on a podcast about kindness. You're lying about togs, Russ. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's called the Togless Project now. We don't even know what a tog okay. is. Apparently, what did you say about aglets? They're on the, the end of your shoelaces. They're the little plastic bits. That's the plastic uh, bit at the end I'm of the shoelaces. I'm not getting involved in that. <laughs> where, did, where does the name Aglet come from, Russ? I don't know. No, we don't want Aglet Gate, do we? Clearly. Um, and let's talk about this week about the amazing result of um, the England women's football team. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I watched a few games when I was away, didn't I? Um, I get to oh, game. yeah, you used to like slip off and I'd be like, where's that? I, 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 I used to sort of go to the hotel bar while we were away and watch women's football, which I absolutely loved. And I, interestingly, on the analysis after the match, I was watching it in the UK on the BBC, there was a lot of talk about hopefully this will give a nudge to people to come watch. Oh, the legacy. The yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm hoping yeah. it does. And, and funny enough, I'm a sort of uh, supporter of West Ham. I've got a text from West Ham today saying, would you like to come and see some women's football? A West Ham women's season ticket is only 50 quid. 50. So 50 quid for the entire season. So I'm hoping a lot of people take up the offer of going to watch a bit more women's football. I'm certainly going to. Have you got, as a great city in the world, got a... Uh, um, a uh, women's uh, club Norwich is the greatest city in the world we've got a women's football club Russ. I think so you don't know I don't know much about Norwich women's football why not although I don't know a little bit you about just make it up Russ, like you do with dogs I don't know a little bit about Hadrian walking football now go on tell me about that so Hadrian's got a walking football team Walking football is really popular now, isn't it? What's that? Because you sent me, it, it's for over 50s. So, so I'm not old enough yet, clearly. We're getting there, mate. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, won't be, I won't be playing walking football anytime soon. Oh. Uh, but it is a popular thing. If your mobility is a bit less, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Anything that keeps you moving and, and, uh, uh, and as mobile as possible, when you get a bit older, I think it's an amazing idea. So, walking football is there. Uh, what else would you like to talk about, Russ? You mentioned on last week's podcast that the Home Church Round Table was doing a summer centre. Yep. How did that go? Uh, as far as I know, and again, I was out of the country, but as far as I know, it went amazingly well. Um, they raised a few thousand pounds uh, in both food and um, uh, cash to give away to local charities. Really good work in terms of, of getting that done. I think they had three carloads of food to give to local food banks. Um, love the fact that that happened. So well done, everybody on the whole church around the table and everybody involved. Uh, we've got Steve... Uh, um, Donovan, who's been involved in our local roundtable for years, weeks. coming up in two weeks on the podcast to talk about the amazing work they do uh, at Hornchurch Roundtable. But that's reflected 
on round tables around the country. So uh, if you're thinking about a way to be a bit kinder, get involved in your local community and help out, um, then that is a pretty amazing thing to do. We had a bit of a tragedy uh, while uh, me and Charlotte was away uh, in, in our local area because they are, I think, in part because of the hot weather, um, a row of houses burnt down not a million miles away from us um, and the community uh, as, and this is when I always say people are generally good the community has been amazing in terms of rallying around and supporting those people um, Kazi was doing some voluntary work uh, on Sunday, helping out to raise money for them um, by selling all the goods that have, have been gifted to, to, yeah. to make sure. So all of that sort of, how did that event go? Oh, yeah, that? it was, it was really, it was really good. Like, because um, there was a lot of stuff that was donated, and then a lot of people turned up to sort of like buy this stuff to raise the money. Yeah, although Sophie was really upset because Sophie went and volunteered for us laid out an entire train set, uh, spent like loads loads of time making it look really good. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody walked up the minute oh. she laid it all out and went, how much is that? Three quid? I'm taking it. Three quid? So, three quid bargain, isn't it, for a full train set? It is. Would you have it? Kitty's multicolored. I would have, yeah. How much would you pay for a four-tog duvet? No, it's not based on fitness. I just don't want to. How about a zip top? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my tog out of the back in a minute and burn it as soon as we finish here. You gonna burn your tog? This is more of an uprising than burning the bra back in the sixties, mate. Is it? Is, is this your feminist uh, this expression, Raj? You're, burn, you're gonna burn your tog. That's it. That's it. What are you gonna do when Kelly says, "Where's the duvet"? And you've turned around and said, I'm sorry, I wasn't happy with the tog. I took it out of the bag and burnt it. What, what I'll say to her is, Chris upset me and she'll understand perfectly well. <laughs> right. It was actually Charlotte and Cassie that mentioned that you were entirely wrong about togs, not me. So why am I getting the blame? But I, you... I just want to go back a bit quickly. Go on then. Not only the response in your area to the to the to the fires that happened. We had yeah. one in the village down the road. Right. Uh come off a field and burn down uh fifteen houses. It's joking. And and the the sort of community in Swapham particularly come together was giving away free food exactly. uh in the restaurants and all that stuff. So yeah. I think people do tend to come together yeah. and, and rally around each other, particularly in times of crisis, and it's really, really nice to see. Let's talk about the question of the podcast. Uh, as we've uh, just come off the back of the Lionesses doing an amazing job, we thought we'd talk about sporting achievements. So what I'd love to know uh, for this week's uh, question of the podcast is what is your greatest sporting achievement? Now, have we had this question before or not? No, we had... What's your greatest we've had, achievement? We've had a couple of sporting questions like what's your favourite sport? Etc. But not your greatest sporting achievements. You know what? The one I'm most proud of, sporting achievement wise, um, is I was ten when I got my gold swimming survival certificate. And what that involved is getting in my pajamas, <laughs> diving to the bottom of the pool, getting a brick, swimming around in my pajamas. So I had to do forty lengths in my pajamas. Then stop in the middle of the pool, blow up the legs of one of my pajamas, float on it for two minutes. Why are you looking? <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? That's not the one I remember. I thought you'd done one in your coat and all your clothes. <laughs> no, never done one in my coat and all my clothes, Russ. This is Tuggate again. Right, yeah, you're completely making up. Why would I go into a swimming pool? With all oh, my clothes and my coat. I thought that was one of the... Yeah, they do make you wear your clothes at one point. No, they... I, I was never allowed to do it because apparently I wasn't showing up on the swimmer. No, unconventional, we use the word now. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, it wasn't all my clothes. It was my pyjamas. 
go down, no get a brick, come up, swim around in your pajamas. Um, I didn't have to wear my coat. Um, uh, I did have to wear a 27 ton blanket, though. That was sick. I mean, like, literally, it was way down. They don't go up that high. They go up as high as 15. Yeah. Well, how high do they go up, Russ? <laughs> so, 15 ton right to wear. It was massive. It hit the ceiling a few times, put me off because um, it was so thick. Um, and then had to float on my pajamas um, uh, and then take my pajamas off and do another 40 what? 40 uh, laps around the swimming pool. And that is probably the one that at the time I felt most proud of. I love doing that. The gold survival certificate. All I've got, got is a little badge to put on my trunks. Um, uh, I don't know where that badge is now because the tr- trunks don't fit anymore. But um, lo- absolutely love it. What about recent sporting achievements? I, I, I mean, I've, I've done... A, I've, as you know, I've done a couple of marathons. I've done three marathons. Really proud of that. Um, I can still jump is my one. I love it. I love a jump. Although, while I was away in Italy last week, I tried to uh, jump onto a stone bench. Yeah. Mistimed, fell off the bench, and literally grazed my entire right calf. So, let me understand this way. You took up parkour, decided to jump <laughs> on the bench, and then give it up again. Yeah, parkour at 44, even though that rhymes, it's probably not a... Uh, that is, that is Parkour at 44, that's what you did. It's a YouTube channel waiting to happen. What's your uh, greatest sporting uh, achievement? I don't have a lot of sporting achievements. I was almost... Uh, I was just a couple away from being a black belt when I was a kid. Yes, you were almost a black belt in jiu-jitsu, wasn't you? Yeah, I think I was two away. Um, my uh, form at secondary school always placed in the top two at rowing. Rowing? Um, and I was always on that team. Good rower. Yeah, there was me and one I... other person we used to just fight. Give it everything. <laughs> with, our, with our experience, we're going to start an international pedalo championship, though, Russ, because yeah. we, we've worked out that we as are a, we are strong pedalo pedalers. As, as we heard from Kevin Gaskell a couple of weeks back, you two could do the Atlantic in a pedalo. Exactly. No. Yes. No. What's the world record, Russ? Just what make it up, because you normally do. What's the world record, record for crossing the Atlantic record. in a pedalo? Mm. <laughs> uh, What's the world I record? Don't the record the is. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I thought it was 12 times. Uh, if you'd like to tell us your uh, sporting achievement, please let us know and you can get in touch with us in the following ways. On Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. On Facebook, we're The Kindness Project. Yeah. And then if you want to Google us, it's The Kindness Project Podcast. If you want to go directly to the page without Googling us, it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. Uh, if I said that too fast, I'm pretty sure most podcast things have like a slow down Well, option. you can either slow down or you can take a look at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. And if you want to email us directly without going through the website, it's odd.thekindnessproject.co.uk. And if you want to contact us anywhere else, um, you currently don't have a Facebook. No. No, um, I've been hacked. You have a Twitter though. I've uh, got a Twitter at Chris Dames. Uh, and mine's at Charlotte J Dames. Um, I think. And we're on a, we've got a Facebook page and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So please do get in touch. Let's move on with the show. Because now we've got Kindness News. And this is uh, five selfless kids edition. Meet five children who have been recognised with selfless acts of kindness. Five children have been recognised with a selfless act of kindness, including helping a friend through leukemia and raising money for children who were going hungry in that school. Winners were picked from 600 nominations from fellow friends, family and even teachers to celebrate the most caring acts among kids as young as four years old. Um, other children celebrating included five-year-old Grace Pryor, who befriended a Ukrainian refugee who joined her school by learning to speak words in her native 
active tongue. The children were recognised for their kindness at the inaugural Thomas and Friends International Friendship Day Awards. Winner, eight-year-old Corey Clark, who has ADHD and autism, took it upon himself to raise money to feed fellow pupils going hungry at his school by embarking on a 10-mile walk, raising nearly a £1,000. Singer and father Ash, Aston Merigold hosted the awards at London Soho Hotel hotel and said i feel very privileged being able to host the inaugural thomas and friends international friendship day awards and to meet and give some of these very special children their trophies and prizes hearing the, their stories today has made it very special because all these children have done amazing things of their own accord they've literally gone above and beyond for other people and it's all been in their undoing one of the award stories from the awards was that a four-year-old Noah Rain from Birmingham, who supported his friend Dylan throughout his treatment for leukemia. Despite being able to see him in person due to un how unwell he was, he would frequently show his support by visiting him to look through the front window with the boys drawing on either side. Other winners included Imogen Mills, a six-year-old from Bridgend in South Wales, who since the age of two has helped her friend Ethan, who has autism and is non-verbal, to include him in activities and play with him. Such is their bond, Imogen was the first child he ever interacted with and went up to hug for the first time. Eight-year-old Millie Vasey from Milton Keynes was another winner, having been nominated by a teacher for going above and beyond to help a classmate down syndrome. She learned Magson to be able to communicate with them uh, and helped with schoolwork and interacting with others. Uh, Claudia Caron, UK marketing manager at Patel, added, it's very special and such an honour for Thomas the Tank Engine friends to be able to recognise those outstanding acts of friendship um, and to showcase how remarkable these children are. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. And I'll tell you what that goes to show. I think kindness is something we are taught not to do as opposed to talk to do. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. one of those things that kids as young as four do naturally, you know, do, and that, that, you know, and show empathy naturally. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it demonstrates like that people aren't like born with like prejudices and anything like that just people just like yeah are born it's yeah. like it's like but their values are imposed on them by the world but often yeah. the, the things that they learn are to view the world in a cynical way yeah um, and that's not always the way to do it, is it? Um, but so that was great thank you hopefully you really enjoyed that piece of kindness news. We're going to move on to part two of our interview with Martha Lawson from the podcast Wanderlust. I had a really interesting and wide-ranging chat with Martha. Hopefully you'll enjoy part two. How important do you think mindset is? Because you know, I like, I like from a, I'm a, I'm a very, very amateur um, uh, uh, behavioural psycho psychology student, sure. and I like Carol Dweck's work on oh, fitness and it. growth mindset. Yeah, so important. And and you know, I, 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 I mean, it was really funny. I, I, I um, <laughs> so I, I think you know, certainly the value stuff. I agree is like mm. massively important. Um, and I, I always talk to the kids about this, like, you know, never stop learning, always mm -hmm. make sure you're in a position where you continue to sort of work and develop. And there's a, there's a weed sponsored, um, Savello, my business sponsored the local literary festival a couple of oh. years ago. And there's a guy, there, there was a guy, he's an amazing guy. Um, Oh, oh, you know what? Bobby Seagull. Do you know who Bobby Seagull is? Yeah, I've heard the name. Yeah, so he's yeah. been on University Challenge. Right. He's a maths teacher in East London. Okay. Um, but he got famous on just being this really enthusiastic guy right. on University Challenge. Amazing, amazing guy. And he, he does, yeah. um, he does uh, sort of documentaries on the BBC now right. as part right. of his thing. And he was, he was just talking about the stuff that he taught his kids in school mm. in East London, and. Um, because uh, uh, we were sponsoring the event, I took Charlotte. We went to see Bobby. Yeah. He came into the office and had a chat before we did it, and uh, and uh, it was it was really good fun. And he talked a lot about the importance of just having that growth mindset yeah. and making sure kids under understand that we are all. Do you find that as adults we lose that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all works in progress, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm not sure that adults 
lose it. Well, I, think, I guess it's possible uh, if you're in an environment where everybody is thinking in a very fixed mindset, yeah, right? it yeah, can yeah. kind of infect you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and vice versa, actually. Um, but I, it's definitely really important. And I think, because if you have a fixed mindset, you don't fundamentally believe you can change. Yeah, so, yeah. coming to me, with a fixed mindset, what do you think is really actually going to happen? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. You don't believe in the possibility of your own change. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that is, you know, we are, again, we're both pushing a boulder uphill at that point. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be hard. Um, and I have to look for evidence for that person of times they've changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. To, to see whether it's going to be a relationship where you can support them, right? Yeah, and and to help them to just unlock a little bit more of that growth yeah. mindset yeah. for themselves. You know, when have you when have you made a difference? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like that. And then the other thing I was going to mention, we'll go mm. on to question three at the minute. We're only sure. two questions in. We'll, um, uh, we'll, but I'm loving the wisdom, Martha. I'm no, loving no. the wisdom. Um, uh, but what um, what uh, what the I forgot I lost my train of thought. So you <laughs> thought this was going to be you, and it's definitely me. Um, uh, what? Um, so the other the other element that I was going to be talking about was, um, but just finished a book called Designing Your Life. Oh. So when I'm doing a bit of work with clients, it. a lot of a lot of the non-financial challenges is because mm. they're just going through this transition where. Yeah. Hopefully, we've told them they're never going to run out of money again. But they're just saying, "Well, that's that career that I've I've had for thirty years. You know, that's part of my identity. That yeah. defines who I am. And how do I make sure that I'm in a position where I'm making the, what happens next? Yeah. You know, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. and I think the you know my my sort of conversations with clients is you know at 50, 60, they're still vibrant." individuals yeah. who want to contribute to the world um and it's about identifying those values that actually float their boat and, yeah, and how how and, and again you know I, i've admixed um they mixed um experience and success <laughs> with this how do you and how do our listeners just really get to what their values actually are oh my goodness um, if that's the starting point, which we agree it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's something about thinking about you know, what makes people really excited and passionate. You yeah. ask me what gets me out of bed in the morning. So there's something about that. What, what makes you really excited? What makes you really passionate? Yeah. Um, there is something also about what do you not want? Yeah. And going yeah. going really heavily into that because sometimes what do you want is such a huge open question. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to answer that one. But if you ask somebody what they don't want, they can probably have a big long rant. Yeah. And then you say, Okay, well we want the opposite of that then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect <laughs> sense actually. You know, it's like we want to avoid and again, sometimes pain is just more powerful than pleasure, isn't it? You know, in it's, terms of the avoidance of pain. It's more salient yeah. a lot of the time. Uh, so we yeah, we can we can look for what do you what do you not want? Okay, so you then do want whatever the opposite Love that. that. Love that. Um, and so, you know, I I have done, you know, exercises myself where I've thought about what was the when I was doing some some career change thinking a while ago where I thought, well, what where were the worst workplaces that I've had? <laughs> okay, she, I'm not gonna I'm right. Not, you're gonna no, avoid no, that. Yeah, yeah, I want the opposite of that. Interesting. So how can I how can I screen? Uh, you know what? It's, that that's that. a really good way of doing it actually, and it, it's it means that I think 12 years in running my own business, I'm now unemployable. But <laughs> um, but but the the reality is. You know, for for me, you know, I know that I like independence and freedom with mm. my work and choosing choosing who I work with and what I do because yeah. I know that you know feeling obligated isn't something that floats my boat. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, that yeah, independence yeah, yeah. and freedom that that's really important. So, question three um, <laughs> out of about twenty seven, um, uh, we'll get there. Um, is uh, why why you know we've talked a lot about why values are so important and yeah, why people yeah, should yeah. live their life. Why why is it 
some important people need to understand about their money and 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 what what does it give to somebody to have better control of money do you think so i guess part of it is this uh it's the thing i've just talked about about it it allows people to shed that sense of shame yeah right so yeah people are carrying this feeling of being kind of inadequate and immature and potentially very capable in other areas of their life and then this one thing around money that's not working for them and you can't escape from money yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you cannot get away from it so being an ostrich about it is is not actually going to help you yeah you have to engage even if you go and live in a commune or a monastery or something like those institutions still have to deal with the finances of themselves and the outside world so there is no real escape from money and so you either let it control you and you're constantly reacting and being on the back foot or, or you're you proactive. proactive about it yeah. and then you can make it fit its proper size in your life. Yeah, yeah. It, if you try and ignore it, it ends up actually being bigger. As yeah. with so many things, right? When we're trying to not engage with something, it ends up being controlling and being bigger than we think. Uh, and and and, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, like sort of the two people who have conversations about money all the time, actually, it it isn't that important in my life. The important yeah, yeah. things in my life are family, friends, relationships, exactly. people. You know, all of yeah. that sort of stuff is what's really important. But. I think it's really interesting. You know, money can can be such a big burden yeah. when it's not talked about and discussed, exactly. and when it, exactly. you know, as you say, when it's when it's a guilty thing or uh, you know it, that yeah. that sort of element, or a frightening thing, or you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think when you don't have a proactive approach, a little bit of you is always waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you have done that work and you have that plan in place and you are managing it proactively you can put it down yeah yeah the rest of the time and it's just not a a factor i suppose there's a reverse to that as well and i I don't know how you feel about that but really interested in your insight the um the flip side to that is Mm. the assumption that money's going to solve every problem both <laughs> yeah. emotionally yeah. and personally and that's yeah. interesting isn't it yes it is it is and it's interesting um i heard a really good uh quote recently so there's a relationship counselor being interviewed on the financial diet and she was talking about how money in relationships is a a source of conflict in two ways either it's because the money is a problem and then the couple doesn't know how to have a conversation about it that's that's the thing we've just talked about but the other way is when there's some other problem that they don't feel comfortable talking about and they use money as a use money as a kind of proxy interesting so yeah money is not um, money can be a, a sticking plaster to a yeah. bigger interest. So yeah, it can it can be. So I and blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth stopped working. Um, people sometimes use money to treat themselves the way they believe they deserve to be treated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if that is the case, then it doesn't really matter what you do in terms of the technical or knowledge side yeah. around the money because it's the self-worth element yeah yeah that is actually important and yeah money won't fix that you can chase all the money in the world yeah if you don't feel right about yourself yeah. and in your relationships and that's why it always goes back to those values you know exactly. what makes you a, a person that you're comfortable with now we are a um, we are a kindness yeah. podcast we do talk about people Absolutely, doing stuff yeah. in the world and clearly helping people with their uh, you know you know gain confidence with money make sure they're comfortable with their relationship with money is important work because it's it's a kind thing to do to make sure that you're sort of filling that gap but i know that i know that a lot of the work you've done um in the past has been around 
you know, understanding, helping people understand more about money. Yeah. What did you learn about kindness from, because I know you've been in a, a, a sort of number of different environments where sure. some of the challenges around that were quite intense, right? Yeah. So talk so, to me a bit about that work and talk to me about what you learned about kindness through helping people. Sure. So although what I do now is kind of private practice, um, I actually got started in helping people work to uh, understand and use money better originally in the charity sector doing financial education work um, what used to be called financial capability uh, with people who were in very vulnerable situations um, and often people who had not been managing their own money for quite a long time because some other aspect of their life was in such a mess yeah that yeah, they yeah. were not in that control for that time. So I'm talking about people who had been homeless, people who were in drug and alcohol recovery, people who, um, women who had been in abusive relationships, people who'd had serious mental health challenges, different kinds, um, young people who'd been in care and were leaving care and, and suddenly had been kind of booted out into the world age 16 yeah. with... You're an not, adult now, you're an adult you know, now, off you go. go. Yeah. All of that, all of those kind of situations, and so I was somebody who would talk about basic financial management with small groups of people in those kind of different mm. vulnerable situations, and facilitate a conversation with them about how could they manage their often very little money to the best of their ability in ways that would um, keep them kind of ticking along as best they could, avoid problem debt, stay away from loan yeah, sharks, yeah. Um, and ultimately be in that kind of the best possible position they could be in, ideally with a view to then building a life from that. So we were talking a lot of the time about kind of stabilising their finances. Yeah, fundamental stuff. Fundamental yeah. stuff. Um, and then using that as a foundation then to look at a life that they wanted to live and build upwards from there and um, I come from a relatively sheltered background I grew up in rural Oxfordshire um, and while my family didn't have a particularly high income we did have financial security when I was growing up mm. and I did not know about uh, the kinds of challenges that the my my learners my service users my clients whatever you want to call them from that time were facing until I got into doing that work and it was very intense I think that was the word that yeah. you said it was very intense to encounter um, the kinds of difficulties that people had experienced and to hear people's stories and I realized that very quickly that my job was actually not to teach people um, but to let them teach each other and to ask the right questions and listen a lot mm. of the time and that by doing that I was much more able to get everyone in the room to build their own confidence and yep. feel like they yep. had something to contribute in the conversation about how to do money better and then that confidence and that feeling that they had some knowledge and something to contribute already that put them in a position where they would be more ready to absorb some of the perhaps more practical yeah. information that I needed to contribute um, and that then made them feel much more empowered and ready to actually go and put these things into practice it's funny you say that so the the, the word in my head when you were talking about that was that empowerment you know yeah. that that feeling that somebody actually is you know not you know, their situation isn't perfect, but they feel empowered, empowered to make positive change. Yes. At every level, how yeah. important do you think empowerment is? Oh, it's massive. It's, yeah, yeah. it's completely massive. If somebody feels like they have no capacity to change their situation at all, 
then they give up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that is that is the thing that we need people not to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because what you know, when you say why bother, that's how people end up. Yeah. Drinking or or whatever they're they're doing, um, and what I really learned was that. Uh, this is where I got started into the emotional side of money. People needed to air their feelings about yeah. money first because these were groups of people who had been told your situation is your fault and it's because you're bad at life and bad at money um, that you are in this yeah. really bad situation. Yeah. And so letting people have some space first to talk about money and how they felt about it then leading into asking some questions about what do you already know mm. and building that sense of confidence and empowerment first that got much better results much better engagement with the topic otherwise i just got pushed back and people would would close down close shut completely shut down not engage don't want to talk about it and some of them even got angry because who are you to come in here and tell me yeah yeah, yeah what to do which is kind of fair enough because i don't know their lives i've yeah. not literally i'm just saying i had no no experience and it's difficult isn't that. it because i think if you you know i suppose there's two elements that spring to mind you know working in that group environment where the group help each other mm. shows how important uh, you know important number one empowerment is but yeah. also how willing we all are if given the right environment and opportunity to help, help each, each other, other. Yes, yeah exactly absolutely. so it's that it's creating that environment and and, yeah. and, 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 and being there that cooperative yeah. learning environment where people were sharing the wisdom that actually works for them yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is, you know, if I, if all I do is ask the right questions and then they all share what's worked for them, they're learning from their peers what is actually going to be functionally useful in Yeah, in their environment, in their world, yeah, yeah. Rather than I could come in with some kind of theoretically correct yeah. Idea of of what's good to do, but that's not necessarily going to actually be appropriate. And the, the skills you learnt doing that work, how 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 much of those skills do you use you use today? Because I'm assuming that, and again, you tell me if I'm wrong, but mm. I'm assuming that it's actually quite a decent amount, right? Oh the, yeah, you know, like part of that. You can still transfer a huge amount <laughs> of that across. Yeah. but it also particularly the emotional side because exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Give people space to talk first and then and then they can absorb the practical and the technical stuff. And also, you know, once you've listened for a while, you know what's actually relevant rather yeah. than, again, making assumptions. And the other thing, I guess, was it really taught me not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Hugely. Um, you know, when you have been in hostels where people are have recently been street homeless, where everybody has a current addiction um which they may or may not be about to begin to get treated for um you know it's very easy to judge that group of people uh and yet some of the most interesting and insightful conversations i've had have been in that context yes yeah and i have met people from every walk of life people anybody can end up in that situation yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. what that really taught me and when you have that perception that really anybody can end up on the bottom rung of the ladder it teaches you gratitude yeah yeah it teaches you as i said not to judge a book by its cover it teaches a lot of empathy and it teaches you that the past is done what do you want what to do, we do now? now yeah rather than having um, an approach of you you made your bed now lie in it yeah 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 um, now I'm not saying you can't put down boundaries and that is really important but um, you know you do you don't want to tolerate every possible kind of behavior that's not that's not what we're saying but it is about 
being future looking rather yeah. than and helping people realize that they have got a future yeah because exactly. again only because i've finished that sort of that book recently mm. that the design your life book because i'm you know again I'm, I'm trying to learn how to support and help my clients mm. more and then in the book they talk a lot about reframing so looking yes. at looking at a, a particular belief yeah um um and just saying really is that the perspective could can we just shift it and say look at it from a different perspective and say well actually that's not really true is it because there's people over over here Uh are doing things differently what are your thoughts in terms of the work that you do now the work you've done previously Mm -hmm. and the importance of being able to reframe certain certain Mm. core beliefs that may may need a little poke and a challenge (laughs) i'm going to tell you now one of my favorite stories tell me literally comes from uh from the situation i was just talking about where where i was working in a hostel with some of the most challenging and probably um yeah looked down upon people and um the first thing you need to know is that attendance on my workshop was compulsory for all new arrivals into this hostel okay so nobody wanted to be there right, right. this is a, i was what, 29 at the time not the ideal position group, really. of, group <laughs> of blokes many of whom were middle-aged gotcha. hardened street drinkers right um and so part way through this kind of you know discussions about budgeting and and managing your money uh there was a guy who this just it just pushed one of his buttons and he jumped up out of his chair started pointing a finger at me getting quite an aggressive manner and he said you're just a government stooge right you're here to tell me that everything is fair, life is fair, and that my problems are my fault, and if I just did everything right, everything would be okay. Yeah. And uh, he just he went on a bit of a rant along those lines. And I. How early, like how, how early, like you so you're doing this work? How long have you been doing this work at this point? At that point. Um, probably seven, six or seven months. Okay, like so it's still quite early on. Yeah, still yeah. fairly early on, but I'd done enough of it to have handled nobody, nobody as challenging as that. But I'd certainly handled some fairly challenging mm. kind of groups before, um, and I'd done enough to realise that the thing I needed to do was let him talk. Yeah, and so I face towards him made my body language completely neutral and focused all of my attention on him face basically neutral Hmm. body language neutral very open and just listened and let him talk himself out which took it only took a couple of minutes because I think he was expecting me to fight back right and I didn't Hmm. and what I realized by just stopping and listening was that the government stooge thing was a was a red herring what he was really saying was i feel very judged yeah and i feel like you're going to tell me that my problems are all my fault and um i feel like i can't cope with that and i don't want to try yeah because you know because I've already failed in this system. If this system is fair and if that's your belief, then I've already failed. Um, And so I waited until he was done and I said, when did I say life is fair? I don't think life is fair. I don't think what's happened in your life or any of the lives of the people in this room is particularly fair. But I do think that in this unfair world, if you can do some of the things that we're talking about today, you will put yourself in a better position. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want for you. Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh. Interesting. sat down 
and at the end of the session he gave me a really nice note on the feedback form he contributed everybody else you know had a nice conversation for the rest of the session yeah and yeah it all paid off That's really interesting. well That's and it really was that reframe of it's not worth my trying when I feel like the world is unfair but I'm afraid yeah. it might but, be but, but it's also that, that reframe I suppose in, in his head of you know this is somebody who's telling me what to, to do, do to somebody who's actually trying to help and support exactly and I, I think I mean in, in terms of in terms of the in terms of the work that particularly you do and, and, and certainly certainly that I do you know having having been able to help people who know that your job is to be there to help and support is so important in terms of the dynamic of helping somebody right yeah absolutely I think it's it's also really important that so one of the reasons I think why, the, why this guy kicked off was because the session was mandatory and he didn't feel like yeah, he had a choice yeah yeah whereas when I said I'm effectively I'm not telling you what to do yeah I'm giving yeah. you options yeah yeah then I restored a measure of choice it goes back to that autonomy thing doesn't it exactly. it goes back to being empowered to make decisions about your own life which is what you know as humans I think what we uh, what we what we're all sort of looking for and it's so important yeah in, ter- in terms of um in terms of sort of managing your emotions and managing mm. your own money yeah do you think kindness and empathy to both yourself and others is important in that element um, and, and if so why well, you literally just hit the nail on the head, right? Yeah. Um, it's about empathy and kindness, both for yourself and for other yeah, people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things in balance. Yeah. So people who are don't have a very healthy relationship with money tend to be either being very ruthless towards other people in order to accrue money but then they have lots of cash but they're very isolated yeah yeah yeah. which is not a happy way to be and the perspective on the world that isn't about people it's about yeah yeah, it's about personal gain yeah um (laughs) and then there are other people who are i think in some ways reacting to that behavior who will be kind and generous to everybody else at their own expense yeah yeah yeah. and they end up struggling in a material way because they're not showing themselves they're not getting the balance right they're not getting the balance right and they're not showing themselves enough so it yes kindness and empathy are super important but they are it's about having the balance of kindness and empathy to others and equal kindness and empathy for yourself mm. and and knowing that you're going to make mistakes along the Absolutely. way you know that that element of one mistake so that was the second bit of martha's interview let's go to tis the end of another podcast the end is the end the end is almost the beginning of something entirely new uh, and I asked in last week's question uh, podcast, what is the most unusual thing you've done that you've really enjoyed? Uh, Fiona Sharp said, I'm currently volunteering at the Commonwealth Games in anti-doping. Quite an eye-opener into behind-the-scenes regulation and almost as much paperwork as financial services. Ryan Ross um, has recently taken up cold showers that he finds surprisingly enjoyable. Uh, he's signed up for an Ironman triathlon, uh, which is very, very difficult, but really amps you up to do other big things with your life. They're the two answers we had. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's uh, podcast, and we'll see you next time on The Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.